1: Sermon's title, You Must Know the Playbook. 2017, You Must Know the Playbook. I am trusting Thee for pardon, it's in the playbook. I am trusting Thee for cleansing, it's in the playbook. I am trusting You to guide me, why? It's in the playbook. I am trusting you for power. It's in this playbook. Words which you yourself shall give me must prevail. Words, 7,200 promises. Words which you yourself uh, shall give me must prevail. 365 times one promise for every... uh, Day this year, fear not, I am with you. Thy words must prevail. Forty verses in the Bible telling us to do one thing this year. Be kind. If you do nothing out, be kind. Words which thyself has given me must prevail And 153 times, I told Connie yesterday, four funerals, two weddings, eight services in eight days. 153 times in the Bible, for all of those names listed in the bulletin, and so many others, there is life after this life. Words which you yourself shall give me, they must prevail. First text I share with you, technically this year, Isaiah fifty-five ten. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, yielding seed for the sower and bread for the eater, even so shall my word not return to me void, but shall accomplish the purpose for which I have sent it. You must follow the playbook. There are 1,700 football players in the NFL, 1,700 of them. Highly trained, very powerful, very fast athletes. If you ask a coach, they will say they're all about the same. Save for those who are pro bowl players. Stronger, faster, more powerful than the rest. They're all about the same. The coach says the one difference as to why one athlete will make the squad and another one will not is something called the playbook. Every team has a playbook. Some have 400 pages, some have a thousand pages. And the coaches hand that playbook to the players. And they say to them, this is your Bible. They hand in the playbook and they say, this is your Bible. You must never lose it. It must never leave your side. You eat with it and you sleep with it and you go to the movies with it. And the coaches say, the better you know this Bible the greater the chance you have of making the team. The coach says, I expect you to spend six, seven, eight hours a day studying uh, this playbook. 500 plays, 600 plays. Every quarterback calls an audible. When you call an audible, there are five or six different things that can come out of that audible. So you have a football player having to know some 2,500 plays. The coach says, if you study it, and if you can retain what you study, and more importantly, if you can put it into practice in the midst of the pressure of a game, you will make the squad. My dear friends, this... uh, is the playbook. This is the playbook. 7,000 promises God gives us, you'd not know a single one unless you know the playbook. Fear not, uh, life after this life, can my sins be forgiven? Am I in this battle with cancer all by myself? can i survive the loss of this loved one the famous statement last year famous statement my 38 years in the ministry the one i hear more often than any other who can do this without god and you know about god and his promises by reading uh, this playbook, Drew last week had Reveal, he got out his iPhone and he said, there's an app that you need on your phone. And that app is called the Bible. You go to the app store and you type in uh, the Bible. And it tells you what translation do you want and you plug that in. And Drew said, once you have the Bible on your iPhone, every single morning there will come a verse onto your iPhone. The verse for the day. Ironically, the verse for me today was, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. And I smiled and I said, thank you, God. That's what a minister tries to do when he's standing up in the pulpit. He tries to go and make disciples of all nations. Every Sunday, pointing them to God. His power his love, his wisdom His salvation. And every Sunday, using the same playbook. I don't know how many times I've preached, 15,000, 20,000 times, I don't know. But I know that every single time I've preached, there's the playbook. I know I've done uh, some 700 weddings. I know I've done some 800 funerals. And every wedding and every funeral had the same playbook. How is that possible? Why would you read something at a wedding that's filled with joy and from the very same book, you read something at a time of enormous grief? That's why Jesus said about his book, Luke twenty-one thirty-three. heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, my playbook, shall remain with you until the last moment this earth ever exists. I think uh, it's God's way of using uh, technology because Satan likes to make this book invisible. Satan likes for this book to sit on your bookcase Gathering dust year after year. And now with modern technology, you plug that into your phone, the Bible app, and every single morning there is a verse sitting there for you. The irony? Last week when Drew mentioned that, I just read a sermon from Phillips Brooks from decades ago. And Phillips Brooks said this, he said you should memorize one verse in the Bible every single day. I've told you before, I have index cards in my car. There are 600 Bible verses that I've written out starting in 1977, almost 40 years ago. And wherever I go, whatever hospital I visit, whatever call I'm making, I get out those index cards and I go through them. Some 30 verses a day. Over and over again, I go through those cards. Takes me about a week to get through the 600 verses. They're always fresh in my mind. You want a New Year's resolution? Take one verse from the Bible every single day. And if it's on your phone app, it's a verse that God's picked out for you. You don't have to pick it out for yourself. God picked it out for you. You memorize a verse every day. Secondly, Phyllis Brooks said, you pray the verse into your life. Lord, I don't just want this to be words on a page. I want these words to come alive in my life. I want these words to come alive in my life. Kingdom of God is not a matter of words on a page. It's a matter of God's power. Heavenly Father, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. My verse for this morning, make it come alive in my life. So I'm not just memorizing some words. Memorize a verse, pray it into your life. Number three, write down thoughts about it. This is where you got to get out a pencil and paper. And there's the verse. And all during the day, you write your thoughts concerning that verse. This circumstance came into my life today. Here's how it applied to that verse. For me, it's easy. Go ye therefore make disciples of all nations. What do I write down? I preached uh, this morning to maybe 500, 600, 700 people, others listening online sometime later this week. Lord, make that come alive uh, in my life. So I'm not just preaching words that are written down on a paper, but it's coming from the hearts Memorize a verse. Pray it into your life. Write down your thoughts. And fourth and finally, Phillips Brooks said a hundred years ago. He said, make the verse come alive. At the end of the day, there should be some concrete thing that God led you to do because that verse was part of your life on that day. This uh, is the playbook. If I ask you what you wanted more than anything else this year, you would say, I just want peace. My health, I just want peace. My grief over the loss of my mom or dad, heaven forbid, son or daughter. I just want peace. Looking at the news every single day, seeing all the shootings and all the violence. and I just want peace. Relationship is rocky. I just want peace. I don't know if I'm going to hang on to my job. I just want peace. God's peace is here. God's peace is here. When a person says, "How' does anyone get through this without God?" This is where you find God. This is where you find Him. That hymn we just sang, "I am trusting you for power, thine can never fail. Words which thou thyself shalt give me most prevail." And his words are here. you got to do this phone app thing. Because God lays that verse right in front of you. You don't have to search for it. I'm amazed at the power of the Bible. If I might say a word or two about the Bible. I'm amazed at its power. You open the Bible at random, you might end up right in the middle of some massacre of the village of A.I., every man, woman, and child, massacred at God's commands. You open up the Bible at random, you might find some prophecy with place names that you can't even pronounce and prophecies that you can't understand. Even in the New Testament, you open up uh, the pages at random and you got Paul uh, talking about circumcision and whether it's necessary for one's part in God's kingdom. And if you open a Bible at random and you end up in the book of Revelation, you end up reading about some beast full of names of blasphemy, seven heads and ten horns. Here is a book which from one perspective should be set aside, never to be read... And people saying, why do the preachers and teachers invite us to read this book every day? This Bible. 1,600 years from Genesis to Revelation. Over a hundred different authors. It's existed for another 1,900 years. And I've said before about the Bible... When my son dies, I'm reading verses in the Bible that some father read when his son died in the Civil War. I'm reading the same verses that some father read when his son was lost in the Black Plague. When I'm reading verses at a wedding, I'm reading the same verses my great-great-grandpa read when he was doing a wedding back in 1880, never uh, obsolete. Great comfort. At the funeral of Hunter Craig a week ago, 18 years of age, Veronica has nine children, now she has eight. On this earth and one in heaven. She said to me, there is something I shall remember for a lifetime. The words that came out of her youngest daughter's mouth. When Hunter passed away, she went to her mom and she said, you still believe in God? Oh, my goodness gracious. My brother's just died. Your son has just died. Mama, do you still believe in God? And she said to her, Why, of course, of course. And then the 10 year old said to her, You know, Mama, that God has promised He will never give you more than you can bear. The words from the lips of a ten-year-old. Where does she learn uh, such things? And why would God have come from her lips such a great word of promise? This is playbook his name was Tokishi Ishii he was uh, the most notorious serial killer that a continent of Europe has ever seen He was an animal. He was described by the prison guards as an absolute beast, an animal. Shortly before he was executed, two Christian women who were told by the guards not to go near this man, two Christian women went in to see him. They were stunned at his ferocity. They were stunned at his anger. They left quickly. They said they had never been in the presence of such evil. Before they left, they put inside his prison door, they put a Bible... They watched him as they left. They watched him take that Bible and throw it across the room and spit on it and do other atrocities with it. And then a week before he was executed, he picked up the Bible. And he began to read it. The providence of God... He did not start reading in Genesis or Exodus or Leviticus or Numbers. The page that God had him turn to, the verse that God had him look at, Jesus' words from the cross, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And the guards say that Tokishi Ishii began to weep when he read those words. And then they heard him read one other word. And the word was, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Ishii asked, for a sheet of paper. He wrote apologies to every family whose lives he had decimated. He wrote a note to his own parents and siblings, asking for their forgiveness. And then, uh, whether you believe it or not, he said, God, forgive me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Some 20 years ago, I preached a sermon about Ted Bundy, the serial killer. And on national television, the day before he dies, he says that because of reading God's word, he now believed in God He asked God to forgive him, families to forgive him, and he said, I know I'll be in heaven tomorrow. I actually had one or two families leave the church after that sermon. They said, how dare you preach that so evil a man could be saved for heaven? Oh, my goodness gracious. King David's in heaven. We know his sins. Moses is in heaven. We know his sins. Uh, Simon Peter is in heaven. We know his sins. Tekichi Ishii is in heaven. Ted Bundy is in heaven. I did a funeral service this past week. The family said, I don't think he was a believer. I pointed them to one verse, 1 John three twenty. Even if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. He knows whether we believe in him or not. So for uh, Takeshi Ishii, so for Ted Bundy, so for every single one of us who are called God's children, This, people, is your Bible. And everything that God could ever desire for your life and mine on this earth is here. And everlasting life is here. Would you rise as we pray? And so I trust, Lord that this is the message you want to deliver. And so I trust, Lord, that your word does not return to you void, but accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it, whether it's a verse on a phone app, or whether it's some sermon preached somewhere across this world, in some church or setting, large or small. Thy word shall not return to you void. Lift up the Bible, Lord. Let your children understand how important this book is for your peace, your power, your promises, and for our eternal salvation.